If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Psalm chapter 98. Psalm 98. So Remmel shared with us our Advent theme this morning is joy. And of course, as we're going through the songs of Christmas, we're, we're looking at different hymns that we have sung uh, during Christmas season, particularly, that remind us of these themes of Advent. You know, I love Christmas hymns for a number of reasons, but one reason is that people, even those who aren't a part of a church family, people sing theology at Christmas. And so you can go through a, a store and you can hear biblical words being played over the speakers. You can listen to secular radio and you can hear these hymns sung by a professional artist who may or may not even be believers. But we can hear the themes of Advent, the godly wisdom in His Word portrayed through Christmas songs. And so we looked at hope a couple of weeks ago as we uh, looked at the hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Last week we talked about peace as we studied what the angels said to the shepherds. And this morning we're going to be looking at joy. Of course, when you think of joy, what Christmas hymn immediately comes to mind? Joy to the world. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bible, I hope you have it open to Psalm chapter 98. But, but also, if you wanted to look through the, the lyrics of joy to the world, we have those hymnals sitting in front of you. This is a good time to pull those out and turn to hymn 125. I'm not going to necessarily be reading, but you can have it next to you as we're studying God's Word together to see the theme of joy throughout. Now, I want to give a little bit of background to uh, this hymn, Joy to the World, and maybe explain to you why during the month of December, during a Christmas series and a Christmas sermon that I'm not preaching out of Luke chapter 1 or 2 or Matthew chapter 2 or really anywhere in the New Testament, but for a Christmas message this morning, we're turning to the Old Testament in Psalm 98. And the reason why we're studying Psalm 98 this morning is because of the background of the hymn, Joy to the World. Did you know that when Isaac Watts wrote the words to Joy to the World, he never had in mind that it would be a Christmas song? It's hard to imagine because we associate it immediately with Christmas. But if you happen to be flipping through and you have hymn number 125 and our hymnals in front of you and you're reading through the lyrics of Joy to the World, I want you to look for any mention of the birth of Jesus. I want you to look for any mention of shepherds or angels singing to shepherds. I want you to look for any mention of wise men. Try to find any correlation with the birth of Christ and the hymn itself. And as you're replaying the words in your mind, you'll realize it's not necessarily only a Christmas hymn. Here's what's amazing about Joy to the World as you read through it. It may proclaim more of the second coming of Christ than his first coming. You can actually do a study on Christ's return as you read through the theology of Joy to the World. Isaac Watts, like I said, wrote this particular hymn. and He actually wrote, the estimates are anywhere between 600 to 750 Hymns, many of them that we still sing today. Joy to the World being one of them. Uh, uh, when I Survey the Wondrous Cross being another. And, and there are many famous hymns we sing that he wrote. See, Isaac was an extremely talented poet and hymn writer as well. From a very young age, he had this unique gift and ability to, to speak in rhyme. His family were, was a family of, of poets, 
and it annoyed them that Isaac rhymed all of his poems. This was at a time that poetry didn't necessarily rhyme, but his did, which transitions well to hymns. And and it became so natural to him that even as a a young boy, a very young boy, he found himself just speaking in rhyme in everyday conversation. And if you have young children who do something repeatedly over and over again, you realize that kind of annoyed his parents. It got under his dad's skin one day, and his dad threatened to punish him if he did not stop rhyming all his words, to which according to his biography, came out of young Isaac's mouth, Oh, Father, do uh, so, some mercy take, and I will no more verses make. I don't think that probably went over well with his dad. His mom realized what a gifted author he was of poetry, but didn't believe that at such a young age he could write such amazing lyrics and words, and she began to suspect that someone else was writing these poems, and he was taking credit for it. So according to his biography, at seven years old, his mother sat him down and said, right now, I want to watch you write a poem so that I know that you wrote it. And so he began in a matter of minutes to write these words. You may or may not be able to see it all up on the screen. Let me read it for you. I'm a vile, polluted lump of earth, so I've continued since my birth. Although Jehovah Grace does daily give me As sure this monster Satan will deceive me. Come, therefore, Lord, from Satan's claws, relieve me. Wash me in thy blood, O Christ. And grace divine impart, then search and try the corners of my heart, that I in all things may be fit to do service to thee and sing thy praises too. Now you think, that seems a little deep for a seven-year-old. Maybe his mom is on to something. Maybe he memorized that from someone else. Until you realize, no, as he wrote this down, at seven years old, it actually is an acrostic. And those first letters spell out Isaac Watts. Yes, at seven years old, he was writing very deep, theological, and talented lyrics. So all through his life, we see Isaac Watts writing in ministry. It is, it is literally everything about him. Music and poetry was his ministry. But his life wasn't all uh, poetry and clouds and and unicorns and rainbows. I think it's important that we realize the, the time that Isaac lived in. As a matter of fact, Isaac Watts had anything but an easy life. He lived during the time in England that the plague was wiping out thousands of people. And while he lived in a uh, area that is now a part of the city of London, now we find that most of his village, most of his friends and family, estimates up to half or maybe more, were killed by the plague. This is how he grew up. Isaac himself struggled with health issues for all of the 70 plus years of his life. He was always scrawny and frail, always sick and always struggling. He did uh, find some happiness at one point in life as he was corresponding with a particular woman named Elizabeth Singer. She also came from a family of poets, and while they had never met each other, she had read some of his published poetry and had written to him and actually proposed marriage without ever seeing him. And he wrote back, yes, I would love if we could spend the rest of our lives together. And so she made the journey from her town to where Isaac was to meet her now future husband. 
But as his biography shares, she described him as a a scrawny, frail man with a crooked nose and a head much too large for his body. And after seeing him, she turned around and went home. (laughs) (laughs) Isaac never married. As a matter of fact, Elizabeth went on to marry another uh, famous poet, and and they had a a great ministry as well. But, But Isaac, poor Isaac, spent his entire life wanting to marry and because of apparently his looks unable to by the way that's why i know the lord intervened in my life that i did get married so thank the lord for that (laughs) not only did he struggle with health not only did he struggle in his personal life but we find that his his family was um was a family of ministers his dad was a minister but not an anglican minister which was the official church of england he was what they called a non-conformist minister He wasn't officially part of the the national church, and therefore his father was arrested on several occasions for preaching the gospel in England because it did not line up with what the official state church wanted him to teach. It did not say that the king had some special spiritual authority. It did not say that salvation came through the church. Instead, his father preached the gospel and found himself often in trouble. Isaac continued this firm belief that God's word was authoritative over any man's word in the church, and he too dealt with persecution. The reason why I give you the background of Isaac Watts is so that we're reminded, as he writes these words, joy to the world. It is not out of a a position of great wealth. It's not out of a position of comfort. It is a struggle in his life. And I think it's important that you and I realize that Isaac was like us. He had ups in life and he had downs. He lost loved ones that he cared deeply about. He had relationships that didn't work out the way he wanted them to work out. He had family strife and persecution because of his beliefs. But he used his circumstances not as a way to find pity, but as a way to find praise. Often he would take psalms and and rewrite them into to songs, and that's really where we get joy to the world. It is, it is a paraphrase of Psalm chapter 98. And so that's why we'll be reading Psalm 98 together this morning and looking at the joy we find in this psalm. If, if you have your Bible, I hope you'll follow along. If not, up on the screen, there are nine verses in Psalm 98, and let's read them all together. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him the lord has made known his salvation he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of israel all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our god make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praises Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. 
As we read this psalm, what we find is it's broken up into three stanzas. The first three verses, the middle three verses, and the last three verses. And in here we see the source and the meaning of joy. Why does the psalmist rejoice? Actually, the the 90s in the Psalms, around Psalm 91 through 98 or 99, are called the royal Psalms. They attribute God as king. They speak about the lordship of God and the coming Messiah who will rule and reign. And in this particular song, we find great joy in this coming king. So these first three verses, and if you have your bulletin, you can follow along, take some notes, remind us that we need to rejoice in God as our Savior. Rejoice in God as Savior. We actually sing about this in the hymn, Joy to the World. Right? We talk about how we need to make room for His salvation. We remind ourselves of His goodness to save us. And as we read verse 1 of Psalm 98, we're told to sing to the Lord a new song. Let's not mistake this to mean we need to sing praise choruses all the time, which, by the way, I love. Let's not mistake this to mean we need to write new poetry and new music, although I think that is also appropriate. Sing to the Lord a new song, is what we're told to do in the book of Revelation when we're given a new name, when we have a a new body, when we experience salvation and we are a new creation. In that moment, we are singing a new song. Or maybe for our English slang, we're singing a new tune. We have changed our life. Things are different because of God. While we once were focused on ourselves and a life that brought us our own happiness and whatever we could do to fill our own void, now we are singing to the Lord a new song that says it's not about me, it's not about my sin, it's not about my guilt, it's about God's salvation in me. Sing to the Lord a new song. He has saved you and changed you. And then the psalmist writes, sing to the Lord a new song for he's done marvelous things. We rejoice in the fact that our salvation is outside of us. Notice the psalmist doesn't write, sing to the Lord a new song, for you have accepted God. It's not what it says, does it? Sing to the Lord a new song because of your hard work and diligence to be obedient. No. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he, for God, has brought salvation. This marvelous work is outside of ourselves. This great thing that has been done for us. As we sing the the chorus version, as Chris Tomlin has added a chorus to Joy to the World, we're reminded of Psalm 98. He has done great things for us. We're reminded that our salvation is not something we worked on and did, but God himself has brought his salvation to us. In verses Three, or two and three, it continues. The Lord has made known His salvation. It's been revealed to you. He's revealed His righteousness in the sight of nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. We do see Psalm 98 focused on a particular people, right? He's remembered his steadfast love to the the house of Israel, but it doesn't stop with Israel. You realize that all the blessings of the Old Testament 
The whole purpose of Israel being blessed was so that they could proclaim the name of God. So that all of the earth would look to God's chosen people and experience salvation as well. Salvation has come. The Lord has done great things. And we ought to rejoice because we cannot do it on our own. We need to rejoice because this salvation has come to all people. This salvation has come not just to to those of us who are good, but it has come particularly to those of us who are not. Salvation has come, and we should rejoice because our works, though not enough, are complete because of the work of Christ. We rejoice in God as Savior. And secondly, that second stanza, verses 4, 5, and 6, remind us to rejoice in God as Lord. If you want to, you can put in parentheses there, as King, as the one who is in control of all things, including our life. We rejoice because God has saved us when we could not save ourselves. We rejoice that God has given us a new direction and is Lord and King of our lives. Look at verse 4 through 6 with me. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. The theme of this stanza is clear. God is king over all the earth. The the psalmist writes to us and instructs us to worship him. Not just with our voices, but with our instruments. Grab your your lyre, your lyre, your your guitar, your drums, your piano. Grab, Grab whatever you have around you and make a joyful noise before the Lord. Why? Because he's in control of everything, of all circumstances. That's why we're told to break into praise, bust, burst forth into joyous song in verse 4. It's hard for us to find joy when we don't understand that God is in control. The truth is when we're at our lowest points of life, when our happiness is stripped away and we feel down, we have joy knowing that we will not stay there. But God is in control even of the struggle. We can praise and worship our good God in the midst of losing a loved one because we know that God is even in control of that circumstance. We can rejoice and sing when we get a medical diagnosis that we're not pleased with and fearful in because God is King and Lord and in control. We can rejoice because we have a God who is sovereign, who is reigning and is ruling. And in Psalm chapter 98, we are told this should make us break out and sing. Hannah pointed out to me just last night, and and rightly so, that I am uh, somewhat of a a sensitive individual. I I cry very easily. We were watching Miracle on 34th Street, and I told her, I'm going to go walk out of the room when he starts sign languaging with a little girl sitting on his lap. It's the newer one, you know. I I just, I I melt down, and it's just so sweet. I'm, I'm a wimp. I watched a Barbie commercial one time, and uh, this little girl was playing with her toys, and she was pretending like she was all grown up, and I looked at my girls, and I cried, you know. <laughs> one of the great things about being a sensitive person, though, a wimp, if you want to call me that, I don't care. 
is that uh, while I, I have emotional downs, I also, well, I love singing. <laughs> I'm not any good at it. As a matter of fact, I'm really bad at it, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> and so there are times that just because I'm in a good mood, I'll start whistling. I'll start singing or, or humming. You know, I found Josiah starting to do the same thing, and I love it. The other day, just out of nowhere, he just starts whistling the Star Wars tune. Dun, 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 dun. There he is. He knows. <laughs> Why? Because just something inside of us gets excited. We hum, we whistle, we sing. It's just, we, we can't contain it. Our girls get so annoyed with me, and rightly so. I can't help myself. This is the picture that we get with true joy, right? When you realize God is in control of all things, verse 4 tells us in that moment, we'll break forth into joyous song. It'll bust out of us. With all due respect to Mercy Me, who says, we won't know what we do in their song I can only imagine. What will I do when I stand before God? With all due respect, I know what each one of us will do. It tells us in Psalm 98.4, we're going to sing. But you don't like singing? Guess what? You will in that moment. We're going to burst forth, not just in any song, but going, God, you're in control, and I am your child. You've saved me, and you're my king. I can't help but burst forth. I can't help but let it ooze out. We must rejoice because God is Lord. The first stanza tells us to rejoice in God as Savior of all people. The second stanza tells us to rejoice in God as king over all the earth. But this third stanza, this last stanza, tells us to rejoice in God as judge over all the nations. God is the one who stands as ruler, but also as the just. He is the one who rules. He is the one who condemns. He is the one who saves. He is the one who makes judgment. This is what we read about starting in verses 7 and 8. It says, Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. This is what we sing, joy to the world. Let heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature, everything created, the seas, let them roar. Let them, let them rejoice. Everything in it, all of creation, let it worship Christ. The seas roar. The rivers clap their hands. Think of these mighty waves rushing over and crashing into each other. We picture the psalmist as he's writing with this power and this strength. The mountains are singing together for joy. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He calls it the song of the seas and the hallelujah of the hills. Yes, all of creation points to God. And why? Does all creation sing together for joy? Why is it that everything we view and we see points us to an almighty God? Why is it that we see creation rejoicing? It's because God will be the one to judge all evil in the world. He is the one who will make all things right. When the Lord comes to judge, he restores all things to how he created them to be, including his creation, the seas and the mountains. We, we read in Psalm 98 that creation points to him because they too are longing for redemption. And it's God the judge who brings about that redemption. There will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, will burst forth that Christ is the judge over every nation. 
So this psalm closes in verse 9. Before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The psalm finishes by telling us that God is the ultimate judge. He is all just and all fair. Everything He does is the right decision. Every decision He makes is perfect. He never does wrong. Every judgment He makes is right. And therefore, when He looks at us and sees our sin and says, Depart from me, I did not know you. It's because of His perfect justice. But when He looks at me and my sin, when He sees all that I have done wrong, which is too great to recite, and He sees it covered with the blood of Christ, it's His righteous judgment that is able to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes, God is the judge of all people with, with equity, with equality. He's not biased. He's not playing favorites. He sees us for who we are. He judges rightly. And we know because of Christmas, because of the birth of Christ, the Messiah. We know that, that because of the life He lived and we read about in the four Gospels and the, the death He died in His perfection on the cross, we know that the righteous and just God is able to forgive. Why do we rejoice this morning? We rejoice because God is our Savior, He is our Lord, and He rightly judges the earth. This morning, as we get ready to, to close, I realize this isn't a, a Christmas invitation per se. But as we think about Psalm 98 and the joy that is proclaimed from the psalmist, we're reminded that that is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. This is a Christmas message because it's only Jesus who brings us perfect and complete joy. It's only our submission to Him, our salvation through Him, our, our begging for Him to, to rule over our lives, our reliance on Him to, to judge our lives. It's only in Christ that we find true joy. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us. Lord, we've rebelled against you and run. We've tried to live a life fulfilling our own happiness. And Lord, we have failed and we thank you. We rejoice that you are our Savior and save us from our sins. Lord, we recognize that all things are in your control. Lord, the decisions I make are in your submission. Lord, the, the circumstances that happen in my life are, are because you've allowed and willed it. Lord, we rejoice that you're in control of, of things that are going well and even in things that we struggle with. And Lord, what joy there is in knowing that you are a righteous and perfect judge. Knowing that I deserve eternal separation in hell, but your, your son's blood, his salvation has covered my sins, and in your righteousness you declare me righteous. Father, we rejoice in your justice. Lord, this morning as we think about the Christmas season and the birth of Christ, let us cling to Christ for the source of true joy, knowing that our salvation is sure because of what he has done for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness. We rejoice. It's in your name we pray. Amen.